Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and to produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. And I'm Steve Manskar, who used to be here at Discipleship <laughs> Ministries. It's, I'm not sure how to introduce myself here, Scott. I'm, the, um, I'm, I'm re- retired from Discipleship Ministries, yes, yes. and uh, beginning on Soon July first, on July first, I will uh, take my new position as the pastor of Trinity United Methodist Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You are invading Detroit Tigers country. Yes, As I a am. Minnesota Twin fan. Yes, I am. I will be an evangelist for <laughs> Twins baseball in Detroit, in, in, in Michigan, okay. Western, well, in Western Michigan. So. Well, well, good luck with that. <laughs> well, today's episode is interesting. I find it interesting in that uh, we're talking about baptism again. We've talked about baptism in a few episodes. Um, I know in particular, we in our second episode, we talked with Liturgy Man about the connection between baptism and discipleship. And we're going to spend two more episodes um, from an interview that you had with Phil Meadows. I'll let you introduce him in a minute. But we're his book, which is called Remembering Our Baptism, Discipleship and Mission in the Wesleyan Spirit, is once again making that connection for us. And I have to say, when we were first dreaming up this podcast, I never thought we'd have so many episodes dedicated to baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I... I think that's separate for a lot of people, right? Baptism is sort of an event in the past, and then we go on and we, you know, mature and have small groups and worship and all those other things. And I think one of the things that I've learned in this is just how important baptism is, and not just that event, but how we keep that in front of people and the call right. that it brings to us to to live that out. Right. That fair? Am I, am I? Am I catching up? Am I? You you are catching up, Scott. <laughs> I've got a lot of catching up to do. Um, so I've and, been and and I think most United Methodists uh, clergy and laity, because I, I think we have um, really. I'm not sure how to. I, the, I don't know if this is. We've minim, minimized the importance of baptism. We we've turned baptism into something it's an event that typically happens with infants and families in the church and it seldom goes beyond that yeah i i think from hearing from phil meadows having already heard the interviews one of the things that caught me in in what we're going to hear from him I think isn't that we've undersold the event of baptism? Yes. Is we're not sure what to do with it afterwards. And, and we've misunderstood it as an event. Yes. I think that's a, a, for to me, that's a little better way of understanding it. It's not that we, you know, because I think we're about getting people to baptism. Mm-hmm. We just don't connect what happens from there onward, if that makes and, any sense. Right. And that's it's also because we've lost the catechumenate. Yeah which is the, the intentional, uh, disciplined pr- yep. preparation of people for baptism yeah. that happened in the early church for the first centuries of the church 
where and and again this was mostly adults True. that had, were had chosen to become christians then the church took on the responsibility of helping those people training those people into living the christian mm-hmm. life and living in the world as christians and there was a 3 year yep. catechumenate or uh, process in which they learned the essential doctrines of the church the beliefs and the practices um, and the scriptures of the church, and they would they were taught how to worship, how to pray, um, how to live, how to live as servants of Christ and with Christ in the world yeah. before they were ready to be baptized. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all. So the, the point of I think Phil's book yeah. and of what we've. And what Liturgy Man was talking about yeah. and, and what I preach and write, have been re- writing and preaching and talking about for the last several years is that baptism shapes our life as disciples. Yeah. And th- that's why we encourage, you know, congregation. That's why the, the covenant service was such mm-hmm. an important part, the yeah. annual covenant service that, that happened. That'll come out in the interview. On yeah. the first of the year. Um, was such an important event in the life of early Methodists, and it continues to be an important event, and certainly in, in some congregations mm-hmm. here in the United Methodist Church in the United States, it's it's I think it's even more important from what I've heard from my British Methodist friends across the pond uh-huh. in the British Methodist Church that that annual covenant service, which is a reaffirmation of our baptismal mm-hmm. covenant, true. It's sort of, you know, re- remembering who we are yeah. and reaffirming our covenant with God and, and, and remembering God's covenant with us that was made at our baptism. Yep. So why don't you go ahead and introduce uh, Phil Meadows? I need to do a little bit in the interview, but I know there's a couple of things you wanted to add to that. So. Uh, well, Phil, first of Phil. all, Phil is a very dear friend. Now, we've interviewed him before for the podcast. We, this is not the first time for him. We did interview him. I, I interviewed him at another Wesleyan Theological Society right. meeting about uh, band meetings, I think, is what we talked about. That's exactly right. So um, this is his second appearance. And and so Phil, I, I, I need to begin by saying that Phil is a brother in Christ to me. Mm. Um, I've known him for many years, and, and he's been a part of the Wesley Pilgrimage in England for okay. the last, I, I don't know how, I can't remember how many years when, when we introduced Phil. Because um, what happens is when, when we travel north from Sa- Salisbury to, to bef- the, the, the night before we go to, to Epworth, because okay. Epworth, it's a long way to get there from Salisbury where if we're you based. Say so, yeah. And so we can't do Epworth in a day. It's not a day trip. You have okay. to. So we spend a night. Uh, now we spend it at a place called the Hayes Conference Center, which is not far from where Phil and his family live. And ah, in a, I see. Um, and, and the Hayes is in a town called Swanick, and I, <laughs> I and I can't remember <laughs> the. I'm drawing a blank on the the county that that Phil lives in, but it's not far from where Phil, where Phil lives. Okay. So I have I've invited every year, and he he said he's going to be there again this year in July. Oh, great. Phil comes to Hayes and gives a lecture to the pilgrims that he titles um, "Mission Shaped Discipleship." Oh. Now it has the same title every year, but it's a different lecture every year. Oh, interesting. 
Um, he brings something different, and he's a very dynamic speaker. And 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 I'm this is getting kind of long, but um, I just will wrap this up this part of the introduction by saying that, and when I invite pilgrims to evaluate the pilgrim the whole 10-day yeah. pilgrimage a significant proportion of the pilgrims every year since we started doing this list the evening with Phil Meadows oh. as one of the highlights if not the highlight of their pilgrimage experience right. um, so if you ever get a chance to go and hear Phil speak or meet him you don't pass it up okay um, so Phil is now Starting last year, was a, is a professor of evangelism studies at um, Asbury Theological Seminary in my Wilmore. My yeah. So he and his family are now living part of the year, the, ac- he's, the academic year there in Wilmore. Mm. And then I know in the summer they'll go home to their home in England, um, which is why Phil said he will be with the pilgrimage oh, cool. um, on that evening in, in England, and he looks forward to that, and I look forward to it as well. Um, and as you said, Phil has written, I think, a very important book that's been just been published by Discipleship Resources, and uh, that's what the interview is about. So we're here with my friend... My brother in Christ, um, Phil Meadows. This is uh, my second time interviewing Phil for the podcast. And so I'm very appreciative of you for uh, taking time to do this with us today. And uh, the reason we're bringing Phil back is because he's written a very fine and I think a very important book um, that was just recently published by Discipleship Resources titled Remembering Our Baptism. Uh, discipleship and mission in the Wesleyan <clears throat> spirit, and so we, I just wanted to have Phil talk about that book. So let's just start with um, well, Phil. I'll just the last time I think we talked, you were still in England, mm-hmm. um, but you since then you've moved across the pond to join the faculty at Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, mm-hmm. as, what is your title now? Uh, Sundo Kim Professor of Evangelism. Sounds rather grand. It is it? very grand. I'm kind yeah. of embarrassed about it, really. You know, as a bog Yorkshireman. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Well, thank you, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I hope you and your family are enjoying life on this side of the pond. And well, we get to it. We get to have our cake and eat it. So we spend uh, like the two main semesters uh, um, in Wilmore, based in Wilmore, um, Asbury, um, and then uh, over the, the summers and uh, and over around the Christmas and New Year period, uh, back back in England, maintaining our ministry uh, there. So it's it's busy, um, but uh, but blessed. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so why? Baptism. Well, um, I think two reasons. One is a kind of personal um, wrestling with the with the meaning of, of baptism. Uh, so it kind of comes partly out of my own uh, biography. Um, I was uh, I was baptized as an infant um, by non Christian parents. Um, and uh, and then when I became a Christian, had to wrestle with the meaning of baptism and 
and uh, issues of rebaptism and and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, so there's that piece which we could maybe come back to if you like. Um, but the other is um, just as a, as a missiologist, one of the starting points for our thinking and, and maybe concluding points too uh, of our thinking in missiology is the Great Commission. And at the heart of the Great Commission um, is the command to baptize um, mm. uh, and and make disciples. And so what I've noticed is that there's quite a lot of attention paid to uh, mission and what we mean by that and increasingly now discipleship and what the connection might be between discipleship and mission. But But this baptism piece kind of get is is disappears you know in that and yet my hunch has been that that baptism in some way or what, what, how we think about baptism actually is an integrating point for what it means to connect discipleship um and mission and maybe you know the reasons that we don't talk too much about baptism is because of all the, because the controversies there might be about it and the differences and over church history about the about how you practice baptism and the meaning of baptism and so on. And, mm-hmm. and so it's been, although the churches claim it to be some a sacrament, of course, you know, and essential to, to fulfill the command of Christ, yet the way that that's been interpreted has often been diametrically opposed and caused a, a lot of, uh, of issues. And so they, especially in, in mission, you know, people looking to find what unites rather than divides and baptism has been something that's divided you know mm-hmm. churches and people even sometimes within the same denomination over time mm-hmm. um so let, we'll just we'll just you know just say we just need to be baptized and that's it you know but not actually then think theologically and practically yeah. and spiritually about the connection the you know intrinsic connection between baptism uh, discipleship and mission so those kind of interplay of those two things really motivated me okay yes. Mm. So what what is the so what what's the the, the purpose of this book that you've mm. written for us? Right. The purpose is I really want. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I want people to to take up Jesus's challenge to live as radical disciples for Him, and to see that living as a, as a as a radical disciple. Um, is not something that is kind of um, separate from mission, you know, that you're a disciple and then you might get involved in mission, however we define that, but rather that discipleship is missionary by its very nature. And I think that baptism helps us to understand understand that. Um, and so actually, you know, perhaps ironically, given what I've just said about about keeping baptism central one of the things that that this book really doesn't do let me start by what it doesn't do what it <laughs> what it what it what it doesn't do is try to settle arguments yeah. um about about um who gets baptized you know uh, i.e infants or believers and when you know you might get baptized at what age you know mm-hmm. even if it's sort of so believer, you know, believers, but might might be you know anything from young children, you know, to um, to adults and so on, uh, or modes of baptism, whether you get sprinkled or dunked or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whilst you know, I um, those those uh, questions are important and and are touched on in the book. That that's not the central issue. The, the question is whether we baptize, whenever we baptize, and whether we baptize infants or believers. What is the life into which we are being baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think that the kind of default position for 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 most people in the church is we're kind of baptized as a sort of, it's a mark, it's a badge of membership, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's a really actually quite a wide difference between being a church member and being a Christian disciple. Yes. You know, you can yeah. be a member of a church, and and sometimes it, uh, actually it, the two are confused because people will th- often think that that discipleship is really just about sort of accumulating a portfolio of activities and responsibilities associated with church membership, but don't see it as a a, a whole life lifelong commitment to following Jesus and mm-hmm. being his living witnesses and, and servants of the kingdom and following his way, you know, constantly, day by day, every day, mm-hmm. um, as, 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 as ordinary missionaries, wherever we, wherever we are. Um, and one of the, one of the, the little, um, the themes of the book is this idea of what it means to live wet, you know, so, mm-hmm. so what is the sign? So how does, how does, how does baptism and remembering that we are baptized actually um, cause us to reflect on and live into a calling um, to live as uh, as as fully devoted followers of Jesus, or growing into that vision, mm-hmm. um, which is a, which includes becoming like Him, but also following Him um, in His way, His kingdom, and with and on His mission day by day. Mm-hmm. So, so um, the bit the book explores. Um, a whole variety of, of of different ways of thinking about the nature of baptism as it helps to connect us to, and it does that through drawing on the on hints and clues, some some more um, th- things that have to be sort of chased down from uh, a, 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 a a vague clue that Wesley leads us to other kinds of Wesleyan practices that, mm-hmm. that he's explicitly connects with with um, with what's at the heart of baptism. So so really. Missional discipleship, um, and why thinking about baptism and remembering what it means to be baptized, to have the identity of being uh, a child of God and a follower of Jesus, gets worked out um, day by day. Yeah, because the thing I really like about this book is that it does make a very strong connection between baptism, mm-hmm. discipleship, and mission. Mm-hmm. That and and. and and it helps, I think, particularly United Methodists interpret and understand our baptismal covenant mm-hmm. as uh, as like a framework for the Christian life, right? Right, a guide. It's not yeah. just a one. It is a one-time event. You know, we don't rebaptize people at right. least as United Methodists. We don't because mm-hmm. um, we, as a sacrament, we believe. You know, God gets it right the first time, and right? <laughs> you know, we screw it up, but right. God forgives us and we can adjust and right. repent and right um and do our best to to live into this covenant yeah um and so and, and that's what I've been trying to you know incorporate into my work right. and teaching over the last several years about that this baptismal covenant yeah and which you, I think, beautifully write about in the book. Mm. And that's why I think this book is so important, that mm-hmm. it, it helps um, pastors and congregational leaders. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it should be used in Sunday school classes right. and, yeah. um, to help ordinary Christians 
make that connection between baptism and their life as Christians in the world. Right, right. To, that we need to remember every day that I am baptized. Right. And that that really means something about how I live my life in the world. Right. Um, as, as a follower yeah. of Jesus yeah. and not a follower of somebody else or something else, right. but that Jesus is mm-hmm. my, my Lord and my Savior. And mm-hmm. if I say Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. that means I obey him and follow right. him, right? Is, yeah. I think, you know, at the most critical edge in the book, I would say that, um, that, that churches, uh, Christian communities that baptize, but don't see that as an initiation mm-hmm. into a life of intentional and serious discipleship, mm-hmm. are committing some kind of theological idolatry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds tough, but what I mean by, <coughs> what I mean by that is, you know, we turn, we can just turn baptism, it, it, and baptism as a means of grace. You know, Wesley would say is a is like any other means of grace at one level. Um, is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. And if we turn it, make it an end in itself, then like any other means, it becomes idolatrous. Um, mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is that if we simply, what does it mean to remember our baptism? If we simply remember that we're baptized and what that means is, well, well, therefore I'm, I'm in the family of God and I'm, I'm forgiven. And so, you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. So that, you know, it's all good. Um, I've been baptized. Um, then, then, in a sense, that's, that makes the, the, uh, the sacrament an, an idol um, mm-hmm. for our own you know, eternal self-preservation yeah. and, and is an, becomes an exercise in missing the point. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I, and, and what's more, in that level, the invitation to remember our baptism um, can become actually a, a, a means of cheap grace, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to remember that I'm forgiven. And that's it. Boom. You know, um, so I'm trying to get to the other half of the gospel that says, actually, remembering our baptism is remembering that, that, that we are brought into a living and dynamic relationship um, with, with the living God as followers of Jesus, filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. All of that's in the, in the baptismal liturgy, it is. right? Yeah. But we don't live like that. <laughs> that's so. And and how and how do we do? And why 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 should why must we do that? And how must we do that? That's what. And and I think it's interesting that um, one of the puzzling things, you know, especially for those that baptize infants, um, is 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 what it means to take um, Jesus's own baptism as a model for us. Mm-hmm. Um, who is about a why is he baptized in the first place if it's about forgiveness of sins because you know he would did not have sin to forgive right right so uh, and and b if it's as an example then he doesn't set as an example in that instance of baptizing an infant he's an adult that gets baptized right so right. um so how could you apply that to infants right or or mm-hmm. or, or children um well, if you change what you think happens in, in, in Jesus's baptism or, or, or what you think is important about that, what I, when in this book, I, I, the book begins by thinking about that and looking at that as a model in this, in this way, that what happens when Jesus is baptized, he, he emerges out of the water and then what happens? The, the, the heavens open and the spirit descends on him um, in the form of a dove and the father says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, mm-hmm. right? This is Trinitarian, beautiful Trinitarian moment. Yes. What it does is establishes the identity of Jesus 
as the Son of God. So um, when, when we're baptized, it doesn't matter when we are baptized, what, that, what baptism does is establish our identity as the children of God. Mm-hmm. And just like Jesus, baptism is an invitation for the heavens to be opened. <laughs> and not just in the moment of baptism, but throughout the course of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, for the heavens to be opened and for the Spirit to come and cry out within us, Abba, Father. Uh, and to know deeply our identity as children of God, um, spirit-filled children of God, who, who, um, who uh, work out the identity um, as followers of Jesus. The second thing I say about Jesus' baptism is not the baptism itself, but it's what happens after he's baptized. Mm-hmm. What happens immediately after he's baptized, now, we don't, again, we don't like to think about this, <laughs> is that the same spirit... You know, by which you know he is declared, anointed, and declared as the as the the Son of God, drives him into the wilderness yeah. to be tested by the devil. Right. Yeah, right. Well, right. as we record this, we're in Lent, right? So that's, this that's is right. not a bad point to remember these things. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to be te- tempted by the devil, and 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 we know how he's tempted. We know how he resists those temptations, and 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 then the beautiful thing, he comes out of the wilderness we're told, full of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. joyful. Then goes into the, uh, uh, the synagogue, picks up the scroll, reads from Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, you know, to mm-hmm. bind up the brokenhearted, and so on and so on. There's a connection with mission. So we've gone from baptism through, that, through, this, the, uh, and, and through the wilderness, which is about refining that identity, saying no to every other temptation in life, no to the powers of sin and death um, uh, and, and all, every other temptation to cause us to forget who we are and whose we are and what we are called to. And to emerge out of this, I'll go through that process as spirit-filled, knowing that ever more deeply we are spirit-filled children of God who share in Jesus' mission to be those through whom good news is brought to the poor, mm-hmm. the broken uh, hearted abound, you know, the, uh, and and he, there's healing for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the broken, the least, and the lost. So so there's immediately your connection between baptism, discipleship, and mission right there um, with uh, in Jesus. And so what's it? What do we say? We're a, we're a follower of Jesus. I would say we're a follower of Jesus in all those ways. Mm-hmm. We follow in our following. We uh, and remembering that we remember our, our baptism as an identity. We are children of the living God um, and his spirit re- is within us and and we and we and, and so through that it, in that identity taking up that identity as a spirit filled child of God then we enter into a life of following Jesus um, his way and his mission and becoming more like him and all those things are tied up together um, uh, day by day um, so the really crucial thing to come back to my earlier point is that if we if we don't see if we stop at discipleship and say you know at, at baptism rather and say well we're just thankful that we're loved by God and His children, it's less than half the gospel, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's the starting point. Having that identity is a starting point of knowing that actually um, that it, it's a it's a calling and initiation into that life yeah. of following Jesus that is that is. It's not like that the, the baptism signifies all the good stuff and then we've got like the tough stuff to follow. Um, actually, um, we don't really enter into the joy of the Father, you know, mm-hmm. unless we 
live out that identity in the way that Jesus did in discipleship mm-hmm. and mission. And so it's actually for the joy that's set before us um, that, that we do this. So, so I think that, that um, in my experience, and it's not just, in my experience, these connections between baptism and discipleship and mission are severed. You know, one is because it get, but as I said, uh, baptism gets truncated in its meaning to kind of membership, church membership, and misses that the rest of that. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but and, and but that's not just uh, something that happens in churches that uh, that, that baptize infants. It doesn't matter. It happens. Uh, you know, I, I married into my wife's side of the family are, are all Baptists. Okay, oh. so I, I, I've seen plenty of. You know, it's the same thing in 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 believers' baptism. If you, even if you're baptized as a believer, and that's it, it's it's all about that moment. You know, all about that decision, right. all yeah. about that. Yeah. But but it but so often is still uh, disconnected, right? Yeah. From from uh, from the life of discipleship. Um, then any, you know, let's turn it around and, and I'll stop talking. Um, but to turn it around, you know, if church is baptized, then they they ought to have the practices this might lead you to another question they ought to have the means and the way by which those who are baptized can fulfill that calling to grow as disciples so what we have in so many churches are churches that practice baptism but do not have the practices for growing Mm -hmm. and developing the life of discipleship that baptism itself is meant to Mm -hmm. lead to and so we end up with 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 people, many many baptized people who have never really experienced the joy, you know, of, of following Jesus as a spirit filled child of God. Well, and so that brings me to in our United Methodist Baptismal Covenant. You know, mm. it's clear that there's three parties to this covenant. Mm. You know, it's God who initiates right. each of us individually. Respond to that invitation from God, and Mm. you know, either through our parents as infants, and Mm. later and through confirmation, we respond publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's a congregation, yeah. And in our covenant, the congregation makes three promises Mm -hmm. that we will pray Mm -hmm. for this person, Mm -hmm. that we will. um, do all in our, you know, to help them to be faithful in mm-hmm. their service mm-hmm. and to, to to keep the promises they've just made. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I forget what all, but we the congregation yeah. makes explicit promises yeah. to this person or the person standing before them yeah. in the at the time of baptism, mm-hmm. and then at the very end of the baptismal covenant, mm-hmm. the pastor says to the people, "I commend these persons to your love and care." Yeah. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, yeah. and perfect them in love. Yeah. So there's implied there that mm. the congregation is going to bear responsibility, bear, take responsibility, mm-hmm. and teach and model the mm-hmm. practices mm-hmm. for living as a disciple. Right. So then, going back to Jesus as the model, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's baptized. Mm-hmm. He receives the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He's driven out to mm-hmm. be tested in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And then he emerges from the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he does, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in Luke, he goes to the synagogue. And, right, right. But immediately after that, yeah. he gathers a small group. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, 
This is a podcast about small groups in the Westland way. <laughs> yep. What is the role? How do small right. groups right. help us to live baptismally? Yeah, and uh, and that that thread runs throughout the, the book um, and draws upon the Wesleyan uh, tradition, which for listeners of your podcast are going to be very well uh, tuned into. So, <laughs> um, But... Um, let me first say that that, that what the, the promises that, that are made by the uh, the congregation um, so often I, I think that they're made in good faith but the way it gets interpreted is you know that is, is that we'll do just going to do that in an ad hoc way right right yeah. so when when it's necessary we'll be there for this <laughs> this youngster or this this newly baptized person right when, right. when, it, when it matters you know and and we'll we'll do our best, but obviously it's never going to be particularly good because you know we're not really great people. But to be an example for them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very ad hoc, um, and 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 still, the, I think the kind of underlying, you know, unwritten assumption is that somehow this person is going to grow up in the faith by osmosis, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but 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 one of the things that our uh, Wesleyan tradition. Um, makes clear is that you cannot um, uh, decide that make disciple making and growing as a disciple is a highly intentional pursuit, mm-hmm. and and that really if you're not intentionally pursuing it, there's every good chance that you're kind of walking in the other direction or yeah. at least standing still. I think Wesley says that you know yeah. we're either moving forward. or we're going backwards, or at best standing still. But actually, standing still is not likely. Yeah. Uh, or, or going wide of the mark, you know, something else gets our hearts, and, and yeah. so, so um, we have to. So it's about being intentional. I think you know, remembering our baptism is about remembering that we need to be as intentional about baptize uh, uh, in a, just as we are intentional about bat- baptizing. We need to be just as intentional about our discipling, um, and so um, uh, our you know our uh, tradition. Um, believes that the best context within which that discipling can happen is is not just to follow the example of of Jesus in 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 baptism in that but also to follow his method the way that he he did then disciple um the uh, folks and and of course he did that in these small groups gathered around himself um uh, and so actually we gather around uh, in those small groups and around Jesus, whether those are class meetings or band meetings. Well, that was just the first half. And there's there's much more nuggets of wisdom to come from, from you and Phil's interview, but I'll, I'll mention at least a couple that... Uh, that really stood out to me. I mean, that question, well, there are two questions. One is, what is the life in which we are baptized? I mean, just holding that question up, I think, can be a, a really helpful question for, for small groups, for churches, you know, to really ponder and, and work into that and, yeah. and really make sure baptism is held out in front of us continually. Even if we're not doing a baptism, doesn't mean we can't teach on baptism. I know I was with you at a training event that you did recently, and one of the things you suggested was moving the baptismal font, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think if we did that sort of continually of making sure that was in front of us, that and 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 just it doesn't take much, but just recalling for and us. Do you remember where I suggested they put the baptismal in the font? narthex? In the narthex. I was listening. 
Yeah. Good. I'm encouraged. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was a very good idea to move that and and to put that in front of people. Because I know at a retreat center I've gone to, at a monastery, they have that. It's a Catholic. And so, you know, I make sure and touch the water before I enter. As I I watch other Catholics do that, (laughs) I think, this is a good idea, you know. And so I, I do that as well. So that's one question. And the second question is related is, how do we live wet? Mm-hmm. Right. How do we continually live such that we're reminded we're the baptized people? Yeah. So that that's what I was left with. There's there's a whole lot more, but I'll be brief and say that. Um, well, I don't know what to add to that, Scott. Um, well, we, it's we we've got more to learn from Phil, so we'll, we'll wrap it up yes. here and we'll we'll add some more. And I'll just say, you know, that that idea. You know, this was in a large church in, in Charlotte, North mm-hmm. Carolina, which has this huge open narthex. So it would be a really, yeah. I think, a powerful statement to, if you have a narthex, like, you know, that to put the baptismal font in the middle, you know, so that people have to walk by it in order right. to get into the sanctuary and have water. All You need to have water in it. Yep. And that's the way, you know, a lot of, well, I know you've mentioned Roman Catholic Church, but yeah. also Episcopal and Anglican churches. The font is always placed near the entrance of the church, and it's placed very deliberately because— There's theology to it. There's definitely theology. It's the theology of what we believe the meaning of baptism is. It's, mm. it's our entry into the church, mm. and it shapes our life in the church. And is a call to go out. Right, and so as you enter the church, you touch the water, and you, you know, I like to make the sign of the cross on my forehead with the water yeah. to remember that I'm baptized, and that's why that, that font is there, yeah. to remember that, to remind the people that we are baptized, um, and that, that it's not just a single event, it, it's certainly unrepeatable event, right. but it shapes our life yes. as a community and as individuals. Yeah. Yep. So we, we hope you'll uh, engage with us. You can find us find our, on our website. You can find our email addresses. Our website is umcdiscipleship.org. You can find me on Twitter at Rev Scott's Tweets, also at UMC Adult Forum. And I'm on Twitter at, at S Manskar. That's at S M A N S K A R. And we appreciate your feedback and rating us on iTunes. And so we look forward to continuing to be in ministry with you and for you. And um, until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.